Good afternoon, evening, and morning to all listening to the Table Flip Podcast. This is episode six. I almost said five, but it's six. Uh, I am your host, Bazile Patrick Cannon. And joining me, as always, is going to be Matt Talktomish. Nah. Not. Thank you. I, I, I always want to say Mott, but because of Monty and Mott. You know, it's just – it's been one of those day, one of those weeks. Anyway, uh, Matt, welcome to the show, and we also have uh, Nate Ketrasel Tripp. I got your last name right finally. I feel so special. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Hello. 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 Yes. Hello. Wow. Yeah. So lots of really big cool stuff coming up on the show. We're going to be talking about the new uh, Balance of the Force expansion, which should drop sometime in the uh, – late year in the fall which is going to be awesome really looking forward to multiplayer i think a lot of people have uh, i'm going to be talking about the new uh, fake or the fac and the tournament rules uh, a couple of controversial topics there and uh, the meta has changed quite a bit going to be talking about a uh, the winners of the giveaway and a new contest that will be uh, starting soon courtesy of uh, fantasy flight games for sending us some really cool stuff so Let's kick off the show with um, stuff. Let's, let's go into stuff. I like that. So, Matt, how's your week been? It's been okay. Uh, nothing too exciting other than the fact that, sadly, up here in Canada, we suffered a bit of delay with Edge of Darkness, and I'm continuing to suffer a delay, and it will hopefully be here tomorrow, which is Monday morning. Ouch. Hmm. Yuck. It's been frustrating. Well, I know in Europe they still don't have it yet either, so that right, but that's understandable just because of the distance. But FFG says in North America, and the way the tournament rules are set up, is that it's legal in North America because they have the whole you know everybody's right. supposed to have it and release it at the same time. And they've been doing great the last few months, whereas it used to be we were always a week behind. But the last few months, I've gotten it every single time the same day that FFG says on their website, it's now available. Hmm which is usually still later than some stores put on sale. But for some reason, Edge of Darkness has suffered a bit more of a delay. Well, you know, it is the Edge of Darkness, so maybe there's some darkness happening. Ah. I blame Jabba. Okay, that's fine. That's that's fine. Whatever. Anyway, um, I'm not really sure where to go from that. So, uh, Nate, how's your week been? Well, you know, I don't have anything to complain about like Matt does, except for the fact that I got laid off on Friday. That sucks, dude. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, apparently they don't have money to pay us to work. <laughs> well, that can be a problem. Uh, work yeah. for free. I would, but no. So I'm now looking for other employment. Well, you Yay, know, me. at least you get to collect unemployment for a little bit and still be able to play Star Wars. I think yeah. I think that is what is most important. As long as you can afford Star Wars and card sleeves, <laughs> your, your life is okay. As, as long you as have like more time to play. play. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Well, <sighs> you know what? Life is life is a funny thing, and uh, hopefully you will you will find a new job. I'm sure you will. At least the economy is not as bad in uh, North Carolina that it is in Ohio. So, at least you know Detroit isn't where I live. That's true. That's true. Um, I also heard that you guys got a flood recently or something. Oh, dude, it was ridiculous. Like, we had uh, 20 inches of rain in under two hours. Whoa! Yep. Wow. That's that's a lot of rain. That, that's yeah, that's not it's been sounds, a great weekend. That, that sounds like our, our winter here in Ohio. It's like, hey, you want snow? Well, here's five feet in the last thirty four minutes. Yep, yep. It was. It's been an interesting weekend to say the least. Yeah. Well, hey, that's okay. But you know what? 
we, we have had Edge of Darkness for a good week now, and I think that's kind of lifted everyone's spirits a little bit. It's been a ton of fun trying to find the uh, what, what the new meta has been and just all these really cool new cards that just kind of splash into different things that you really wouldn't expect. Some of the decks that we've uh, played are just like, wow, this works, but it doesn't make any sense. Why does it work? Okay, I'll take it. Um, I think that what's even more important is the uh, the balance of the force being uh, announced as well. I think a lot of us have been waiting for this for quite quite some time. I know I have been because I tried to actually get my wife into playing this, and she just I don't think that it was um, what she was wired for. She's more uh, wired for games like uh, Sudoku or, or Sudoku, however you, however you say that. More like uh, strategy and kind of like thinking. Where like a one versus one competitive setting with the Star Wars is more kind of mind games rather than uh, math, I guess. I mean, there is there is obviously math involved, but I think a multiplayer would is going to kind of open up the doors to a lot of uh, um, uh, like couples sounds weird, but I think it might open up the doors to a lot of uh, people who have um, wives or girlfriends who kind of think we're crazy for playing this, and you know they don't understand it, and we'll, we'll kind of give a uh, kind of an open door to saying, hey, you know, we can both be on the same side and play together. That way I'm not on one side, you know, laughing at her awfulness because she doesn't know what she's doing type of thing. Um, are you guys excited for um, the balance of the force? I, I know Matt is. Uh, Nate, uh, are, are you excited at all? Or, or uh, you haven't really said much about it. Um, I actually really like it because I was always a, a big fan of the Wild Raid decks mm-hmm. uh, back when those were new and coming out um i'm actually more so looking forward to the two verse two stuff i think that is going to be fantastically fun um i can't wait to see how they're going to work that out um anybody needs needs a twos partner for worlds send me a pm so just putting that out there so speaking of worlds (laughs) are you going i am nice now yep that is november 7th through the 10th correct Yep, and they released the, the schedule for it uh, okay. last week. Now, unfortunately, I will not be going because my baby would have been born by then, and I already have prior commitments to MLG um, in November, so I can only go to one event this year, and uh, that's going to be the event I'm going to. But next year, I'll definitely be going. I think that next year we're going to try and all go to Worlds, probably get a hotel together, and uh, probably do a live show from Worlds. That's something that I've been kind of dealing around in my head and just telling you guys now. So surprise, I think we're going to try and do that. So keep that in mind. Start planning now. Start, start planning now. Um, start saving now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit yeah. of a drive for me. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, where exactly is Worlds going to be located, Matt? It's in uh, Roseville, Minnesota. Yeah, it's, at the, it's, it's always at the same place, the FFG place. Center. Oh, okay. It, it, it is going to be the same place. All right, cool. Yeah, they they do it there all the time now. I think it was last year that they made that official. I think it was the 2012 when they first – because they used to do it, a lot of them through Gen Con, but mm-hmm. they've made those the Nationals now, and Worlds is strictly at FFG, which makes sense because it gives them a bit more control, you yeah. could say. Yeah, and I, I'm not a big fan of going to conventions to go to national tournaments and whatnot, mainly because a lot of people do not shower. It just it bugs me. I've I've gone to a couple cons and uh, I don't do well in crowds to begin with. And when people don't care about their personal hygiene, I get very upset at people. It's just See, like the thing that I've always not liked about you know going to play a card game at say Gen Con, right? Which Gen Con is amazing and awesome. Everyone should go at least one time in their life. Um, but if I'm just going to play a card game, 
it kind of seems like a waste of money for me to pay an entry fee to the convention when I'm walking in playing card game and walking right back out yep. when I'm done. Um, so for them to actually have their own tournament at a location that's not a you know convention of some sort is really cool. Right. Um, I'm glad they're having something at Gen Con though, and I really wish that I could have made a trip up to Gen Con this year to play as well, but sadly I can only afford one. <laughs> so yeah, Gen Con's actually Gen Con's one of the more expensive ones, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was like sixty dollars for a three day pass or something. That's there. that's not terrible. I, I isn't there one more expensive? I don't remember. Which. It, it might have been. I don't okay. remember exactly what it was. Right. I know Comic Con's more expensive. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Comic Con's ridiculously expensive, but that's more like cosplay stuff. Gen Con's more of the board game stuff, right? Yeah, Gen Con's yeah. more focused on gaming type things mm. for the most part. But they do they do pretty much everything. Yeah. There. Yeah, I think that uh, everyone should go to at least one type of convention in their life, whether it's you know a Renaissance convention or something. It's it's always fun just to kind of get together with people who share your passion. So um, if you guys can actually get out to go to a convention this year, whether it's Gen Con, whether it's I don't I don't really care. Just I would suggest doing it and, and go with friends. Don't go by yourself. It's usually not that it's kind of awkward by yourself. You're just kinda of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, this is weird. But uh anyway, uh, enough about Gen Con. The the tournament rules have been changed and I know that um there really isn't a lot about uh balance of the force yet. Um is there anything that we really want to talk about that? yet and or do you want to wait until we have some more information because right now we just kind of see like a lot of the cards and a lot of uh kind of the special units and what nate said it, it kind of looks like the uh rating type of things that you used to do in wow tcg which is gonna be really fun yeah and that's what it reminded me of like as soon as i read about them i think one thing we should note is that balance of the force is better than what we've been led to expect because yeah. if you read the back of the rule book Again, you know, the little blurb about Edge of Darkness and Balance of the Force, and it was originally intended to be uh, two to three light side against one dark side. Mm -hmm. Now they're giving us two raid decks. I keep calling them that because I have, you know, stacks of all the World of Warcraft raid decks in my gaming room. But And they're basically the same kind of concept. They're like super-powered versions of, you know, a lot of stuff we have now. But it's good that we're getting a dark side and a light side. And it... It leads lots of room for expansion. Like it's like somebody said, they could do this as print on demand. You know, order your extra dark side raid deck for I don't know ten, fifteen dollars, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then on top of all that, they give us the two versus two rules. So it was so much more than we've been led to expect, which is you know never a bad thing. Oh no, you give us more than we wanted. Yeah. Like yeah. some people were complaining in a thread somewhere about like, oh, I didn't, I'm never going to use these rules, so I don't really care about that. I'm like, so you're complaining that you get more and you're not going to use it? Then don't use it. Yeah. Why complain that you got more? You know, first well, world problems. Well, you know, like I think a lot of people have um, some misconceptions about what a card game should be. I mean, a, a lot of us kind of come from a one versus one background. You know, Magic, L5R, Pokemon, you know, that kind of stuff. So a, a lot of the card games that we have played are going to be that competitive one versus one scenario. So I can understand that people are like, well, multiplayer is stupid, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, multiplayer is good because it's it's a lot less stressful. Let's be honest here. One versus one is like, okay, I just, uh, you know, I got to play all this right. I hope my opponent doesn't do this card, this card, this card, this card. It's just, it's 
two versus two is just fun. It's not supposed to be competitive. You're, I mean, people are going to take it competitively, which I think is kind of foolish. But it's it's there to it's just there to have fun. That's in all this is going to be. This is more of a casual mode than anything. I mean, while TCG the, the raid stuff was just a casual fun thing to do, you do with your friends. It wasn't like yeah. oh, world championship TCG raiding. Like no one's gonna watch that. No one cares about that. That's that's like I don't know the world championship of Hello Kitty Island Adventure or something. Like no one cares. It's just a fun. Hey, the PVP in that game is fantastic, dude. It is, man. Good Flowers, grief. yeah, whatever. I don't even know anything about that game. Um, and back on Star Wars. And back on Star Wars, yes. So I think the raid decks, you're right, are you know, I need to stop calling out the challenge decks are definitely more casual kitchen table, and they're really good because they allow an odd number of players. So if you know, if you've got three of you, yeah, you can play now. It otherwise, you know, it's if you got three friends together, it's like okay, we're gonna play first, and then we'll play you. Right. This way, everybody can play. And, you know, the odd and like I have friends who don't collect Star Wars and aren't actively into the game. But if I threw a challenge deck at them and say, hey, you're playing this deck, we're all going to beat you up. They'll be like, oh, I'm going to kick your guys' butt. You know, yeah. I'm going to take you. So it's great. You know, you can get other friends of yours who might not play actively to play this, and they can have a good time and, you know, not be too worried about getting crushed because they're going to have, you know, this super-powered deck with, you know, this crazy Darth Vader and Death Star 2 and right. 12 health objectives. Like, Which is great. Or you know the Luke Skywalker and all that stuff. I want Luke Skywalker. The two versus player. <laughs> yeah, that Luke Skywalker looks scary. The two versus two play I think is really cool because it allows a different format for mm-hmm. people. So it doesn't always have to be a one. Like you could have a game night or a tournament or whatever and have a teams. Now you're gonna want you know a decent number of people to be able to do teams. Otherwise it's gonna be kind of boring. But if you've got you know I don't know let's say eight to sixteen people and you know that's four to eight teams. Right throw down and play and it's a different well, format to well, shake things up a bit you, you know what different. this reminds me of um i i know that um matt you didn't really did you played magic or that wasn't really your game i played it in the past i was never competitively into it i strictly played you know on my living room couch okay well then uh nate this comment's kind of directed at you then um you know what that reminds me of is, is magic's two-headed giant yeah um, wow has the same format i mean and i actually yeah go ahead I, I wish they would figure out some way to do uh two-headed giant sealed in star wars because you know, i think I, that's the funnest format of magic that i've played funnest is not a word most fun but it's funnest now now actually you know i was thinking about this um as i was reading i was like you know there, there's actually a way to do this is what you do is you take all the light side objectives all the dark side, t- side objectives um, just the objectives themselves, not the not the five cards. You put them in a giant big pile, shuffle everything, and then lay them all out on the table. And then everyone just picks from the 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 uh, the light sides that are face down. Uh, each player gets five, and then or however you know. Okay, so say if you want a um, it just a ten objective set deck. You just like okay, I want these five, and I'm gonna double these up. And obviously, if you get one that's only one per deck, then you can switch that out for another one. Same with the dark side. I think that might be a way to do kind of a two-headed style sealed, if you were. That way, it's all random. Thoughts? That I mean, could be interesting. I, I, it leads to some really weird decks. And that's the whole point. Yeah. It I mean, be fun, though. Just I, try can, it out. can you imagine? You know what? Like, with my luck, I can just see. I, I can just see myself picking all the neutral ones for the light side and just going, well that was gonna this is gonna be a fun game and then all of a sudden i just win and it's like oh so i'm gonna play this as one versus one now and just 
completely dominate. I mean, who knows? Maybe some really cool decks would actually come about that. But I think that's something that I'm going to do at my local store because it'll be it won't be like, okay, I have to play these certain cards to counter this certain meta and blah, blah, blah. It'll just be like, huh, okay, I get all these really cool, interesting objective sets that don't mesh well together at all. It's like, oh, cool, I have a tricolor deck. This is going to be fun, which still doesn't work in Star Wars, by the way. Don't try it. Uh, so anyway, um, Balance of the Force, guys. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I just I can't wait to see what the actual cards that are going to be able to be played in tournament play that are going to be actually come with the set itself. And you only have to buy one. You don't have to buy two, which huge props to FFG for that because I'm running out of money for this. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just like, okay, more force packs, more stuff. Now, one thing I do wish that Fantasy Flight would do is sell individual force packs or individual objective sets because – when a force pack comes out and like maybe sell it like three or four weeks after the objective set itself comes out and then sell individual ones because my biggest problem with some of the force packs is we haven't seen use of any of the objective sets in some of the decks at all like uh the new like some of the uh the new neutral stuff for edge of darkness just makes you kind of scratch your head and go why would anyone ever use this neutral set ever? Or uh, the uh, rumors of the, at the cantina. I mean, there's really no use for that yet. Um, the, the tribal support, there's really no use for that yet because it, it's a one objective set type of deal. So I, uh, I, I kind of wish that they would actually do that and sell them itself. I know Team Covenant does, but um, y yes, Matt. And that's probably how we'll only see. I can't see FFG ever doing that because it would cause them to lose money because yeah, people won't be buying the packs then they just buy mm -hmm. the single sets but there's probably people that already do that anyway from team covenant but i guess fg doesn't really probably see that because yeah you know they don't see how much team covenant they probably just get you know, a huge order from the team covenant store and say okay you know here's your 100 copies or whatever yeah well i mean what team covenant basically does is they break down the um core sets and some of the certain sets and price all the objective sets to where it would still equal the $30 to $40 if you were to buy an entire set. You just get to buy them individually. So some objective sets are going to be a little bit more pricey than others. Like uh, there's ones – I think they all just range from like $1.50 per objective set to like 3 to $4, which – There's some that are $5.99. Yeah. Like the okay. Han one is like $5, $6, and it's always sold out. Probably – well, I mean uh, – and that's probably – there's a reason for doing that, so it's not always sold out. But I think that – eventually they're they're going to have to put a price cap on it but i don't know whatever it, it it's nice it's convenient for for that kind of stuff to happen so anyway um getting back on track here so balance of the force that that's kind of uh coming out uh soon in the uh the end of the year type of time frame there and looks like october probably october that's that's probably correct um it's fantasy flight it could be pushed back to november or december i'm actually curious as to what they're going to be releasing for christmas cuz you know, every company releases something on Christmas. It's, you know, the, the super item or whatever you have to buy. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually release. Um, FFG's never done that with any of the other LCGs, though. They don't specifically release some big, huge thing for Christmas like other companies do. So we'll probably just be, you know, in the early packs of the next cycle, whatever that is, which we'll probably won't know until next month. Okay, so they need Star Wars The Card Game Christmas Edition or Holiday Edition? No, they don't do stuff like no, that. They do not need that ever. 
because and they've never done that. Because I want Chewie in a Santa hat. I'm I'm just saying. You're a terrible human being. Chewie in a you're, Santa hat needs to happen. It it needs to be a car. You're off the podcast. <laughs> it needs to. It's, it's, okay. All right, and moving on. Uh, anyway, so balance of the force. Cool. Yay. Next tournament rules suck. So apparently Matt is very bitter about the tournament rules. I'm only everyone knows my opinion probably by now, and I'm not the only one that thinks this. The change they made to the tournament rules for TO participation will hurt certain areas. Now, because typically the player who's the TO judge, whatever you want to call them, is the person who's most invested emotionally, financially, and otherwise into the game. They're the driving force behind the game in that area. Okay, right. But so no, no, hold on, hold on. With that being said, you can still TO regular tournaments. You just cannot do regionals, nationals, or worlds. Right. Now that is actually a very fair ruling because in a regional, in a national, or in a worlds, the TO should never be playing in that tournament. The reason being is because they need to devote their full time and attention to answering player questions during matches and making sure everyone's playing fair. He it, it that's the way it's always been in every card game ever. No. Yes. If this had been an issue in other regionals this year, it was. then I might agree with it you. Was, it, was, it was an issue. Patrick? It was an issue. There, there, was, there was posts on it on the Card Game DB of some tournament organizer playing in favor of a tie and then him going on to like the finals or something and then actually, actually kicking something. I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember the exact, exact post. But... I'm. I, I don't entirely understand the. Uh, I guess the the main issue. Um, Nate, like me personally, I I don't understand it. Um, I can see both sides of it. Um, I know that there were a couple issues that people had posted about tos abusing their their position and. Um, one of one of the really early tournaments actually had the TO end the tournament early. Like it was scheduled to go five rounds. He ended it after three because one of the local people was in first place after that. And so he ended it then. Oh. Um, so as opposed to saying that the TO can't play an event, I think it would be more logical to actually just have people sanctioned to be tournament organizers. Right. Um, kind of and, like, and, like they do in Magic, where you have to take like some sort of test or something. Yeah, and just verify that the person that's going to be the TO, A, knows what they're doing. Right. And B, is going to be somewhat fair about it. Um, but since there's there's no quality control, it, it makes sense to, to limit it that whoever's going to be the TO can't play in the event so it's you're never gonna win whichever decision you make right but i think it was pretty much the only decision that ffg could have made without having to implement some kind of system of verifying tournament organizers which they should do anyway world of warcraft i was a tournament organizer a champion of the black flame and a judge for it i had to take a test to be the judge so FFG could just easily do the same thing. The way they had it before was you have to have an extra TO, which makes total sense. A TO can't rule on their own match. At the Netrunner Regional, we had three judges. So if it ended up being that one of the judges was playing the other judge, the third judge then did the ruling. 
it never was an issue because we didn't really need very many rulings because we all knew how to play. It'd be the same thing for doing Star Wars. The problem with this ruling is it hurts smaller areas like where I live. I was going to run a regional. I was planning on doing it. I was going to run it. I was organizing it. I've already got the date picked, the location. I was going to do food. I was working out you know, what the total cost would be to absorb the cost of the food, everything else. I might be taking a hit depending on how much I was figuring I could charge people. I was going to order the kit myself, advertise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now I have less incentive to do that because I want to play in a regional. The closest regional to me this year was 25 hours of driving away there and back to Montreal, plus hotel, plus gas, plus food. That's expensive. I don't want to do that. So I was like, great, I'll make sure I have several judges. So, you know, we're all there to, you know, do the rankings and everything else. It would have been fine. Then they came up with this ruling. The problem is people who are supporting this ruling are saying it fixes the problem. Well, it doesn't. The people who are going to be jerks and cheat the system are still going to be jerks and cheat the system. This doesn't stop that, unfortunately. It didn't work with other games. It's not going to work with this one. Well, well okay. H- Except how... for maybe Magic, but Magic's way more organized h- h- than anybody else. Yeah, kind of. How is how – is... How are they going to still be jerks and cheat the system if they can't play in the in the regionals or whatever? Because they'll just make somebody else be the TO. Like I'll, I could, let's say for example, say my wife's the TO. My wife has never even seen Star Wars, let alone play the Star Wars card game. But I could say she's the TO. FFG would be like, oh okay, she's the TO. They must play together. Great. Here's your kit. Okay, well, la, la, la. you have to understand that players won't. The the, the whole thing is. The the rules in place basically for for the, for the future, not for like, okay, well I know there's a ton of regionals happening this month, so we want to try and curve those. No, it's it's basically that rule is implemented because Worlds is uh, around the corner, Nationals is around the corner. They had to put this ruling in now. The, it, it, Worlds is a whole different beast though because the judges in Worlds are FFG employees. Well, I, under, so, I understand uh, that. doesn't even need to be there. I understand that. But nationals are not going to have FFG employees there, to my knowledge mm. at least. I mean they might, but – Yeah, they'll probably be running out of Gen Con. Yeah, they might be. But the, the, whole, the whole premise of this rule is to keep everyone accountable and not, and not give um, TOs that window of opportunity to cheat. Now, I, I can guarantee you if you said your wife is going to be the TO, I can guarantee you players will be like – uh, does she know anything about the game? Uh, I've never seen her before. How much does she know? I mean, it, it's... All my players would be personal friends of mine for the most part, so they'd be like, oh, okay, you're still playing, right? Yep, cool, great. We thought you were going to have to sit out. Because like, I've and, done this for well, every other oh, okay, well, card game. Th- There's nothing wrong with that. If everyone agrees, who cares? And the other thing, too, just like a couple of the, the regionals that I went to, the, the person that was the acting TO was generally the store owner. Yeah. They had no clue how to even no, play the game. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the whole ruling is just odd to begin with yeah. From, yeah. from the it's whole thing. It's a slap in the face to the good TOs. No, no. The good TOs I agree. who weren't screwing around, they're basically like, oh, thanks for all your hard work. You can't play. Sucks to be you. No. I, like it was a no, total slap in the face to people like – Tiny Grimes, myself, you know, other players who are good players, you know, upstanding members of the community or however you want to say, you know, people who support the game, play the game, love the game. It's a slap in the face to them saying, 
well, these other people were total jerks, you know, said they were having a tournament, ended up being some guy's house, they sold the kit on eBay, or this store in Mexico that keeps getting kits and selling them on eBay all the time. Those stores absolutely should be reported. If there's a problem, report the problem, but don't punish everyone to punish a few. Right. You know, if, it's like they say, a few bad apples spoil the bunch. And you know, well, FFG just poisoned the barrel. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think that people are overreacting a little bit. I don't think it's going to shut down the smaller regional tournaments at all because most players that are going to be playing in a four-person regional are not going to care. It's going to be the tournament organizer, three people, and everyone's going to be like, hey, is everyone okay with playing uh, – me playing? And everyone's going to be like, sure, okay. And if that one player isn't doesn't have – has a problem with it, then the, the rest of the players will probably just say like, okay, then you're not going to play in the, the regional. So – I mean, I, I think that the the general consensus of the Star Wars community is people are a lot more mature than that and are not going to be douchebags about it to not let the, the tournament organizer actually play. Now, it could also this could also be a signifier that you know FFG is planning to standardize how they do their regional, national, yeah. and world tournament organizing. Mm-hmm. You know, by saying this, this might mean that they are going to have some way that you qualify to be a TO. And let's say... Um, well, this is, isn't this... A they couple did of the say games, somewhere. Isn't this how Magic started, though? Last year. Yeah, there was a couple of games where what they would do is they would they would have sanctioned tournament organizers, and each organizer would say, "Okay, I will to any store that wants me to to run a tournament within right. an X mile radius." Mm-hmm. And then the stores would contact that person and somehow compensate them for their time. Yeah, time travel. That's how Magic does it. Yep. You can like yeah, yep. but you get tons of stuff. And WoW does the same thing. But WoW, I could play in almost every single event except for one where I was forced to sit out, but I got eighteen packs. As a reward, yeah, which was half a booster box, which is, you know, that's a lot. Yeah, you I know, mean, you know, four dollars pack. There's no compensation yet from FFG. Maybe they are planning on compensating yeah. judges for sitting out. I don't know. I know most people, myself included, would still rather play. Mm-hmm. And I might now, depending on how this goes, not do my regional, which would suck. But we'll see. It's just I think they went too far in one direction. Like FFG has been. You know, for years, ever since I started playing Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones players complain a lot that FFG's organized play is not where it could be. It's never going to reach the standards of Magic. People play Magic professionally, for crying out loud. You can never do that playing an FFG game. People play WoW competitively, who make lots of money. But those games are CCGs. They have large pools of money being dumped into them because Mm -hmm. people are buying, you know, 15, 20 packs a week sometimes. Like, those games are, you know, they're worse than crack dealers. Like, you just you have to get your fix. Right. I know when I was playing WoW, I was buying boosters all the time. Oh, I have a spare $5. Give me a booster pack. Look, I found $5. Give me a booster pack. Like, it was well, just ridiculous. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, fantasy flight games are not the super, you know, high-end competitive card games that, say, Magic or Pokemon are, are going to be because they're yeah. they're not the CCGs. They're not that booster pack-oriented game. Now, which is good. Well, yeah, which is good because it, it, it really invites the more casual people like ourselves. I mean, Matt, you, you have, you're married, you have a family. I'm married, I, I have a family, that, it, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, Nate, you're unemployed, you don't have a family, you you know, I mean, it's... <laughs> I'm 24 hours a day. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, 
I, I think, Matt, you and a lot of people are maybe overreacting just a little bit. I understand that it is a slap in the face to some of the, the smaller scenes, but I can guarantee you those smaller scenes aren't going to give a crap about that rule. They're going to say, anyone care? And everyone's going to say, no. And guess what? Everyone's going to play, everyone's going to have a good time, and it's not going to matter. So, and FFG right. has and Hopefully almost... that's exactly what happens. And, like, I just hope that it's not somewhere where somebody shows up to one of the smaller regionals who, you know, let's say it's 16 people, 15 of them are locals, and then one random from, I don't know, two states over, or, you know, somebody from Ottawa shows up at my regional. I can't see it happening, but let's just say. And they're like, oh, you can't play. You're the judge. I'm going to report you. Right. You know, well, you know, that's but, but, you know, what I could see happening, but again, I can't. Because, you know, if the 15 other players are locals and this one guy shows up and is a total jerk, well, guess who's probably the one that gets reported? Okay, so so kind of kind of in that point, I, I have yet to um, actually, you know, find players like that. Ma- mainly because the, the, the general consensus is Star Wars. A lot of people are going to be a little bit more older, a little bit more mature, and understand that everyone's here to have fun, and it's not all about winning. Now, Magic... Holy crap! Is that player base immature? Like it's it's ridiculous. Yu-Gi-Oh is worse. Pokemon is a little bit more uh, mature because the the age base is pretty much people who grew grew up with Pokemon or trying to still play competitively. Um, um is, does the Wild TCG even still exist competitively anymore? Yes. Okay. It's still going. It's still quite large. The scene here died as soon as I quit, but otherwise uh, people do still play. It's it's a it's like the third or fourth biggest, I think. It's still going. Like the cash prizes they give out are retarded. It's like magic level stuff. Right. Okay. So I but, mean, like, I, my my personal opinion is just to let's kind of sit back and see what happens. If it causes a lot of problems, Fantasy Flight will reverse it. I mean, they're they're. I mean, uh, well, even too, we we have a year almost before the next regionals even start. So right. and I a think lot could I change think between the now ru- then the ruling came out basically to cover nationals and worlds and they probably added regionals in there just to standardize their entire organized tournament structure so and that's one thing they need to fix ffg which i'm sure they're not listening and they've heard this before from you know two champs and chump i know they say it all the time when i used to listen to their podcasts for game of thrones and everything else ffg's organized play should be called disorganized play it's not very well organized and it could be more than it is it's good now that they've got the game night kits coming out and stuff like that which are similarly like magic they give the stores special cards that you can give out to your players when they show up every week for friday night magic while tcg there's monthly kits for the monthly thing every other month there's a holiday kit there's two play mats in every kit there's tons of you know promotional special little cards stuff like that so ffg's i think getting there but it seems it's to me it's kind of confusing why it's taking so long to get their organized play to a higher standard i'm not saying that organized play will ever reach the standard of wow or magic because it's like we've already said those games have a lot more money because of their structure mm-hmm. and but ffg doesn't do those anymore because you know game of thrones became an lcg and call of cthulhu became an lcg because they weren't reaching they weren't making enough money off of it using the ccg model so they right. switched to the LCDs and created these, and now they're sticking with this because they realized there is a market for these type of games. Mm-hmm. But just because the you know those of us that play these games, you know, it's like I said, we've all got families, we've got kids, we you know we've got lives. Shocking. 
they could still have better organized play. It's just not going to be the same level as some of the the more right, rich right. companies well, give out. Yeah, I mean, so I think yeah. they're heading in that direction. Hopefully, the way the game night kits have been moving seems to be that way. I wish they weren't, you know every three months which ends up being four months by the time everything gets shipped because you know we've we had two game night kits for star wars locally uh one was here in my town one was down in halifax and now we used those and that was the last time you know both groups kind of got together so it's kind of like well we gotta wait three months for the next kit so now we're waiting for the season two kits to show up here it'd be nice if it was i can't see them doing it every month because they don't that you know they don't have those kind of pockets Maybe every other month or something, just to increase right. it. I, yeah. Okay. So you know, I, I think the general consensus is, um, it, it there's there's kind of a lot of opinions kind of floating around, and I th- I think the best thing that we can do is just kind of see how it is going to play out and go from there. And like Matt has a great point. I think Nate brought up a really good point, and I think a lot of other people that have a lot of other conflicting uh, uh, opinions. Uh, have also valid points. So let's just kind of see what kind of kind of what happens to there. So moving on, um, let's actually talk about the um, FAQ itself. A lot of really really interesting rule changes here. The one that uh, I think really is kind of a head turner is uh, I'm looking for it here is uh, under on page three is under draw search and reveal. And it is uh, 1.4 search, a result of a search. When resolving an effect that searches a deck or part of a deck, a player is not required to find the object of the search. So basically, this allows you to use Millennium Falcon's actions and not actually use it. Mm. Yes, it does. Um, But Millennium Falcon doesn't search your deck, does it? uh, Technically, it doesn't. But um, according to one of the posts on the uh, Card Game DB boards... Uh, Nate French did clarify that um, you do not have to actually find something, but you're basically under the good right. uh, under the good sportsmanship rule. You're obligated to play that character if you do have it. So it, it basically comes down to don't be a dick. I mean, I think they're two separate rulings, though. Good job, Cat. Um, result of search. That one looks like the ruling they gave for the Ewok objective set because that one you are able to fail to find it because of your search. And Millennium Falcon, like I remember uh, Patrick Brennan was replying about that in the Millennium Falcon thread. And I think that one is where we're saying that you have to play the card, which is what Nate French ruled, which to me seems like a very odd ruling because how are you going to prove it? You can't have a TL search your opponent's hand every time to say, well, you have that unit, you should play it. So I don't know if it this 1.4 necessarily affects the Millennium Falcon, but I do think the Millennium Falcon ruling will eventually end up in here. I just don't know if the Millennium Falcon ruling is realistic in application. Well, well again, it was it was Nate French confirmed that on the uh, someone's email or uh, someone. Yeah. I don't remember where it was posted. I, th- I think it was Card Game DB. It was, it was Patrick uh, Brennan. The, yes. The yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Brennan. Thank you. Um, so that he you have to play the unit if you have it yeah so well i mean yeah basically it it allows you to it it, okay so a lot of these rules kind of come down to the honor rule which i think is really good because that means the community is a little more trustworthy than some of the other card games that are out there so the millennium falcon's action is action um return the millennium falcon to your hand and play a character or draw unit so 
basically, if you don't have a character or draw unit, you can still use the action because there's no target effect to trigger it. It's just an action, and it can come back to your hand. If you have that unit, you're obligated to play it under the good sportsmanship rule. And now if you don't trust your opponent, you basically can say, hey, T.O., can you check his hand type of thing. Now, someone pointed out that that does kind of do the whole lessening of a surprise factor, like, oh, I'm going to hold on to this for one more turn or, or whatever. But I, I think that me personally, I will be playing a character even if I have one because that's what the action says. And you're also right. Your hand is technically not part of your deck. Once your, your command deck is separate, once a card leaves your command deck, it is now considered in your hand or in the discard pile or into play. It's not in your deck. So technically this search rule does not apply to your hand if, if, right. if we want to get super technical. I found the ruling. It's It wasn't uh, Patrick Brennan. It was posted by a user named Hundreds. Okay. And here's what he said, Nate said. Nate, so this was in response to you know, having a character and uh, – Okay, so me. So I could choose not to pull on my Falcon using its ability, knowing full well that I have no character draw to replace it with, and simply tell my opponent that I'm unable to resolve the effect. The net result is that the Falcon stays in my hand, free to play in a subsequent deployment phase. Correct. Nate, correct. As it's a non-targeting effect, there's no restriction on being able to initiate it. So you can return it to your hand by using its effect, even if you have no draw to character. If you do have a draw to character, you're obligated to put the card into play. Okay. So that's what I find is going to be very hard to enforce. Yeah. So I, that might change on the next FAQ. Yeah. Because it's not in this FAQ. Hmm. Okay. Right. Well, um, Nate, your uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> usually people that are using the Falcon either are using it to avoid damage to the Falcon or to put a character to play. Um, I've been running the Falcon in a vehicle deck. Mm-hmm. And I've just been using it to bounce back to hand and not play anything. And I haven't had anybody contest right, me on right. doing that because it's like, okay, you're paying five resources for a unit, striking with it, bouncing it back to your hand. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because now in order to get it out again, you have to pay five more resources again. And you don't have any board presence with it right. currently. So... I think the way that they have it currently ruled is the correct way because if somebody wants to bounce it to their hand and not play something, even if they do have something in hand, they're really only hurting themselves by trying to work around the rule. I don't know. It I does think seem it's, like I an think odd one. Correctly. Yeah, it seems like an odd one to try and, you know, if someone does challenge you on it, to try and enforce it's That's why I think it's weird. Like, And I can't see any reason to ever do it like so that's why i find it i don't know it just seems like a really odd ruling but we'll have to wait to see what they put in the official faq down the road okay all right um so any other rules that stood out to you guys i think that that um that one was kind of like the the biggie um matt any any other rules that stood out to you the one that stands out to me and that actually is in this faq is the whole switch thing there was a bit of a discussion for a couple post about uh, reversal of fate yep. where you switch edge stacks. People were arguing that you could switch when your opponent had nothing and I'm like, you can't switch when nothing's there. That doesn't make sense. You know, I'm going to give you my car for this pile of nothing. Right. It, it didn't make sense to me. So it's good that they ruled on that. You know, they defined the word switch in definition 4.9 on page 4. Mm-hmm. So that one stood out to me and it's good that they that's 
in this version right away, so they kind of nipped that in the bud before it really became a problem down the road. So other than that, I, I didn't really find there was anything in the FAQ that was really kind of like, oh, it wasn't like when we first got you know the first version of it and Trench 1 was finally resolved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean... It, I, uh, go, go ahead. I really, uh, I really like the, the last question in the question section mm-hmm. about uh, being able to remove a value three damage token. <laughs> I just thought that, that was, was hilarious. Asked. I, I was did like, see that asked somewhere. Now, now, yeah. now, now, I was like, oh, really? Somebody is trying to pull... No, 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 no. Actually, <laughs> actually, this came up at my local store because technically in the rule book, it is a token. The, the the original huh. core set rulebook classified it as a token. I guess so. I, so I so, so well, no, 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 no. It it was a valid a valid ruling because you technically could take a three damage token off any character unit with the um, medical assistant or any uh, three damage token off a Hoth objective with the uh, MED dash fifteen dash ten sixteen. Uh, droid yeah. unit. So and apparently yeah, I, in the first, uh, uh, I think it was Patrick Brennan again that answered it. He said that when the game was initially being designed and playtested, they didn't have the three damage yep. tokens. Those were added after the fact by like marketing or something to you know add extra tokens to try and help cut down on token clutter, so you don't you know like mm-hmm. stacks of these one damage on your characters. So I think that's where the yeah. confusion came from. I just. I agree with Nate. It does seem like kind of an odd one. I couldn't see anybody actually validly arguing that and winning. But it's here, so I guess it's cleared up, so it's not going to be an issue in the future. I think that the reason they made the three three damage token was because they didn't meet their tokens per game quota. Um, because apparently FFG wants to have a million tokens for every game that you ever play from them. <laughs> Netrunner has a lot more. Well, you know yeah. that. Yeah, now, they... Yeah. Netrunner has a crazy amount of tokens like it's i've got funny. a kit that's just my netrunner tokens whereas my other kit has my star wars and game of thrones tokens with it's nice i i actually pieces. i actually really like the tokens that they give because it's they're quality tokens that they ship the game with they're not cheap and so it's kind of it's, it's nice but it is funny that like every game you get from ffg just comes with a bucket of tokens yeah <laughs> it does yeah it really does and they're different there's a lot of different ones in like Star Wars and there are some of the games like Game of Thrones you get a lot of tokens but they're all gold tokens and 15 power tokens and then you get the the little the pieces that represent your status within the court so but FFG you're right you know just side tangent FFG's quality of their parts is top of the oh, line it's great they, everything like their board games are the same way yeah like I, I actually got a friend played... who has a Starcraft board game and the tokens in that are phenomenal yeah I actually played Descent for the first time, the, Good the game. revised 2.0 version. Mm-hmm. I love that game. Yeah. So, much so, fun. so c- we should have a podcast about that. Oh, now. No, no, I'm, I'm just joking. No, okay. I'm just joking. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> Any other rulings that kind of stood out to you guys and kind of made you go, oh, well, th- that's a good clarification, or, oh, okay, that makes sense, or, oh, that doesn't make any sense, or were, were the rest of these pretty straightforward, really? Everything was pretty much... I think they were mostly straightforward. Okay, cool. Excellent. Um, so now that we've got the the FIAC and the tournament rules out of the way, uh, we are going to be talking about the meta and how it's changed. Originally, we were going to release uh, three episodes... Uh, for, of deck talk and talk about all the uh, new cards but honestly it would have just been us reading off all the cards and kind of been really boring um, 
uh, it's just I'm 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 not sure. We're, we're actually talking in chat if we should cut out the uh, the deck talk this week, but I, I think we should kind of go over it a little bit, guys, because I think that um, there's just so much different and so much that's changed. I, I think that it, it, it can spark some some good stuff. So, and uh, okay, so yeah. All right, so let's roll off. Okay, cool. So, so one quick thing I want to point out here. To the audience, you guys won't know this, and you'll probably never see it, but we did record an episode specifically for Scum, but we were using the spoilers that were posted in advance, which weren't 100% accurate. So since we're all about quality, mostly Patrick, we cut that, (laughs) and it's on the editing room floor in his editing room, which I'm assuming you have some sort of room that you... Yes, I actually deleted it because it uh, it was taking up space in my hard drive, so sorry about that. No. No, all of our hard work... All those boring. two hours. Yeah, too. dude, I, I actually listened to it, and, it's and it was just kind of yeah, boring. So, um, so, so the meta guys. Uh, this has been probably some of the really kind of like I, I don't want to say like jaw dropping uh, meta changes that I've seen in a while in a card game, but they have been pretty substantial. I think that um, for a newer card game to have changes that's like this big and have certain cards and um, decks just not even viable anymore is huge. Uh, standard Sith control decks, yeah, don't even try using those anymore. Um, I mean, Slew Scout pretty much knocked that one out of the park. I mean, that they just completely changed the. Well. Yeah, I mean, they they completely changed the way Sith, Sith control still works. It does. Sith control, it, it, big red bus, not so much. It, big red yeah. bus Sith control really works. You cannot rely on Palpatine and Vader to be that those defenders. You can't. Right. You can't necessarily, like Matt said, you can't necessarily rely on Big Red Bus, Devastating Sid, right. you know, those archetypal decks because mm-hmm. all of their units, for the most part, cost four or more, which is fine for the environment pre-Edge of Darkness because you didn't have Sluice Grabs, Blockade Runner, stuff like that, right. and you were able to control the board with your I think- Palpatine's Vader's Devastators. Now, with Sluice Scout Blockade Runner... The, the, you know, big Navy decks, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, large Sith control unit decks kind of take a back seat to some other strategies. Yeah, no, yeah. no. But I mean, I you can still use, if you attacked with Palpatine, put his tactics out, then that would get around the whole Slew Scout thing. So there is a way around it if you want to try it. I just think it would be, you know, it's a bit more difficult to match up. I think what's great about right now, and I mean, I'm still going crazy trying to get the actual physical cards in my hand. I've been using Octagon so I can actually use the new stuff, we're never going to see this big a change probably again in the game's history. And it's it's a lot larger change for a game like this because of the objective set deck building because we got 22 brand new objective sets. Before this, we had we were at 58, I think, with the last force pack. Now we're at you know 80 or whatever. We still got two force packs to go. Or sorry, we're at 90 with uh, or something. Anyway, we're at a higher number now. And it's, it's a huge impact. It's a huge dump all at once, and it has such a bigger impact because of how small the card pool was before. Down the road, if we get another similar type of deluxe expansion, you know, let's say it's after the next Force Pass cycle, because I can't see them having another one during, um, it's not going to have as much of an impact because you know we'll have the, I don't know, however many sets from that Force cycle. We'll have the ones we've got now, mm-hmm. plus the new six from Balance of the Force. So, you know, we'll be over 100 by then. 22 won't be as much of a drop in the ocean when, you know, you've got 100 
in some sets. Whereas right now, before this came out, we had, you know, it was right around 50 something. It's a huge impact. So it's a huge change, which is why I think everybody's kind of like, you know, the forums are like, you know, people are posting decks here, there, and everywhere. And the decks are, you know, just, they seem crazy, even though I'm sure they're not. But it's like, I love it. It's such a huge change. It's a huge impact. And it's so exciting that it's just, it's almost enough to make you go crazy. I, I do want to say that my OCD kicks in um, since Edge of Darkness starts numbering at 69. And the force packs that should fit in between that aren't out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It drives me nuts. I'm like, no, there's a gap. I don't like the gap. <laughs> my OCD is bugging me. I want those filled in. <laughs> well, you have to wait till September now because they pushed oh, back no. the force packs, which we did predict a few episodes ago. So, you know, hey, we were right. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's a huge change that the Slew Scout one is like, it's amazing how many people have created that deck you know, for the most part, independently of each other. Like, I know they talked about it this week on Smuggler's Den, and I'd built it and beat you with it, Nate. Like, I think it was the day before or the day before. I can't remember that. It was Monday or Tuesday of this week. Two turns, and you were dead. And I was just like, did that really just happen? Like, I've never won that fast in this game. I've won fast It, it doesn't. It doesn't I've help. I've seen when... people beat me that fast. Yeah. It doesn't help when you have two uh, across the note sectors out, and yeah. all I have is a two... bantha. I had two across the Noah sectors, and then I think I had two Slew Scouts and something else, like yeah. almost right from the start. Yeah. Like it was, I destroyed an objective on my first turn, damaged the other one, turn two, good game. So it's it's yeah, interesting it's how people will last onto that right away. But it was so obvious, like, and we didn't really have a clue that was coming. We the only card that we'd seen that's that particular archetype within the Smugglers, we'd seen the Blockade Runner, but we didn't know what else was coming with that. So we didn't know. We didn't know we were getting these slew scouts. They only cost two, unless I'm mistaken. So it's yeah, not that hard to get them into play. Their objective itself is great. The raise the stakes. Uh, I can't remember which one's which. There's the no out sector and raise the stakes. Both of those objectives. One has the slew scout. One has the blockade runners. Both those play off of that particular type. You know, you can't defend with anything that costs three or more. Which the large part of the dark side decks were. Sith Control or Big Red Bus slash Devastating Sith, however you prefer to call it. They have big, expensive units. I mean, those decks are all about play your big, expensive units. Well, you can still do that, but you're probably going to lose because by the time you've got, you know, those paid for and then, you know, you've refreshed enough to be able to buy something else, the Slew Scouts have come in and destroyed all your objectives and the game's now over. So it's, it's funny how many people independently latched onto that, and yet it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm that deck it's crazy fast but it's fun the thing that i've noticed that that i think is fantastic is you see so many light side deck ideas just plastered all over Mm -hmm. um ffg's website card games website everybody is making just piles and piles of light side decks you know vehicle light side decks character light side decks jedi smuggler decks rebel smuggler decks all kinds of stuff dark side decks everybody's like i have no idea what to make and and you know in all honesty i I think i love it i I think that's a great thing because dark side was just oh well standard sith control big red bust of a saying sith there we go okay it's pretty much a free win now it's light side has the option. Light side has options. Light side has that final kind of kick in the face of 
I can actually win stuff, and I don't have to win a lot of edge battles now. Like, I, I think the whole everyone like, oh, pff, you know, if you win the edge battle, this effect takes a place. It's like, oh, okay, well, this makes a lot more sense now. We get why this card says this, or we get why that card says that, that, that type of thing. Um, yeah, and like that Smuggler's Run deck, as some of us have started the smuggler to call it, sprint, I've got or... three different versions of wait, it. Wait, wait, uh, are, are you talking about the, the vehicle Somebody one? Somebody calls... The, the, the Smuggler's Sprint one? The... Yeah, Smuggler's Sprint, Smuggler's Run, whatever you want to call it. <sighs> yeah. I've got three versions of that one deck, and they don't change by much, but they change slightly. Like my first version that I used against Nate had Colsera's objective set for the, the X-Wing, which acts like an extra swindled and don't get cocky. Then there's a more vehicle one that uses the Rebel objective set, uh, Defensive Yavin 4, which makes vehicles cheaper and includes Rebel Assault. Then there's another version that's more, you know, Han and the Falcon and stuff like that. So it's really nice that it's the same deck archetype, mm-hmm. but there's three different versions and there's different people coming up with it. So it just, it seems like Lightside has exploded, like Nate was saying. And dark side people are kind of uh struggling with scum right to say the least now um just because the other the other thing too that that i think that a lot of people are finding is that the the deficiencies that light side had pre edge of darkness you know um not being able to win edge battles um having a vulnerability to tactics from Palpatine, some of this other stuff, it was patched up in such a way that it didn't necessarily have a car that says, you know, pay one resource, destroy Palpatine. Like it wasn't like a silver bullet type card. It was a design philosophy that was like, okay, we're going to have ways for you to get around the, the, the big cards, you know, instead of printing extra, um, Counterstrokes. We're going to make trust me as an objective, which is a fantastic workaround for ways to deal with um, force lightning and other um, really good dark side events, while still kind of hindering the light side. It's like, oh, I have to damage this, but I get to counter your card effect. Okay, they they didn't just make silver bullet cards which a lot of games fall into that trap where they print x card to counter y card you know ffg did it where they printed cards that countered other cards but not just those ones and it was really cool and i i applaud ffg i applaud the play testers i applaud everyone that was involved in making edge of darkness because I think it was not only what the current game environment needed, but it also is a good demonstration of how to make a set that helps balance a game. Yeah, it's a really good set. And one thing that I can't remember who said it, but somebody, I think it's the best way I've heard it described. It's like we've been playing paper rock and somebody just invented scissors. And I think what some people are struggling with right now is that we've grown used to, you know, Sith control and then, you know, Jedi were the top decks. They won consistently and, you know, almost everyone, you know, worldwide agreed those were the top decks. I mean, there was variations locally because, you know, that's going to happen. 
But for the most part, everybody agreed. Now, I think what some people are struggling with is everybody's expecting the decks to you know, still be, there's this one deck that beats all the others. Well, that's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. It should be more like A beats B, B beats C, and C beats A, and so on. You know, it, it should be paper, rock, scissors. It shouldn't be one deck that is the deck. And I feel like Edge of Darkness has kind of really opened up the environment and made it so that there's not going to be one deck. It's like I was commenting on the Smuggler Sprint deck, and somebody said, um, you know, well, you're going to have trouble against uh, Capture, is what they said. And I was like, well, well, yeah, but I'm not expecting the deck to beat every other deck. Like, you know, depending on what you face, you're going to have good matchups, you're going to have bad matchups. It's And that's the way it should be in any card game. There shouldn't be one ultimate deck that beats all the others. So it's good that things have opened up. It's amazing how much of a difference these 22 sets have made. And, you know, really, if you think about it, it's not even 22 sets because there's some of them that no one is playing and no one might play for a while. Yeah, okay. So um, my my biggest problem with just kind of playing devil's advocate of, you know, like, oh, my gosh, smugglers are so great. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm usually the one that kind of goes, okay, this deck's bad for this reason and this reason. I'm, I'm kind of I, – I do that. I'm sorry. My biggest problem with the Smuggler Sprint is that – okay, how do I say that without sounding like it's a terrible deck? It's, it's not a bad deck. It's, it requires – one. It, it, I feel like it's kind of like the Untouchables in a way where you have to have good objectives and you have to have a good starting hand or a good mulligan. If you don't, you're kind of just like – stagnating and going okay we can slowly get there just need oh nope here comes more units for defense okay um now i'm not sure if that's how the other players in the other metas around the united states are actually playing like i'm not sure what dark side decks they're playing but the one that me and uh, nate have been playing which i'm not we're not going to actually talk about yet I don't feel comfortable actually talking about it until we've had it a little bit more finalized, is a deck where it's consisted of mainly uh, two-cost or lower units. And that may sound like, okay, well, that's probably not going to work, but the, the main reason for doing that is to exactly counter those kind of decks because the Slew Scout is so powerful, because the Blockade Runner is just so darn good. Now, that makes Swindled a little bit more viable, and then that, that makes the Renegade Squadron X-Wing a, a lot more viable. But with being able to put out a lot of units quickly, it, it kind of counters the whole, well, I have a bunch of slew scouts and some really good starting objectives. My, my, my biggest problem with those kind of decks are they require too much for it to actually work. Um, a couple of playtests I did, I, I didn't get really any good objectives. I got uh, maybe one... Um, What's the one called? Uh, and, and the uh, cross the cross the no what sector? Yeah, the cross the sector. I got one of those, a slew scout, and a bunch of other cards. So I was like, okay, well, not really that good. So I'm I, I mulliganed and didn't get any slew scouts. Or I would, I would not have any slew scouts or any blockade runners on my f first hand mulligan and not have any on my second hand and be like, okay, well, I'm screwed. So I feel that the deck is still way too much of that kind of setup. You need certain objectives for it to be actually decent to do that four to ten damage that they, that um, he was talking about in that thread. Right, the, the and thing I mean, you too, could... though, is that with how 
decks are appearing to shape up now, you don't have as many necessarily dead objectives as you used to. You know, you have eight amazing objectives. You don't care which three of those eight you get. And then you might have two that don't necessarily fit the theme of the deck, but the cards that come in the and the objective sets are amazing. Um, I think that fact right there adds more consistency to decks currently than we've seen in the past. Where, yeah, that's true. you know, in the past, you might have had three or four really good objectives that you're like, I hope I see the Mobilize the Squadron. I hope yeah. I see, um, and you must go, mm -hmm. I hope I see this. Now it's, I hope I see everything but this one objective yep. that's, I don't care about. Mm -hmm. And that, in my opinion, adds more consistency to decks than necessarily the units that are in the deck. Yeah. I mean, one, go, go one ahead, of the go problems ahead. I have sometimes with people making arguments in some of the deck threads, and I'm not saying this, you know, be a jerk or spiteful or anything, is that some people are like, oh, yeah, but you've got to have this happen and you want to draw this and this. And I'm like, okay, this is a game of a random deck that we shuffle and you draw random cards from like there's gonna be a luck factor so i mean you pretty much just have to say yes there's luck involved and you know just discount it. the way that you're good at a game is to reduce the randomized factor of a game by adding consistency based on cards yeah true and with the new objectives we got and and the way that you can build decks with them not only just with objectives, but with the other five cards that come with them, you're able to craft consistency into a deck more so now with light side and with dark side mm -hmm. than you have been able to. No, I, I know. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, I, sure. I definitely agree. Uh, but again, my problem with the smuggler sprint is it's still that kind of setup y style deck, which I hate playing. Like I, I don't I, I like the other decks where it's mainly just, you know, Chewy, Falcon, pretty much all the characters and then and then the Slew Scouts, which is pretty much the like the standard uh, smugglers and spies deck, which is a straight out smugglers and spies deck. And you just you have a lot more like if you have a lot more kind of tricks and flips and you don't have to rely on to get those objectives out or get that those Slew Scouts in your hand or that blockade runner. Um, yeah, but that's going to come down to playstyle. Yeah, no, no, we've I got agree. to remember and we've got to say, you know, whenever we talk, you know, to the listeners, you know, we're talking from our playstyles. So we've got, we've all got different playstyles. I mean, that's one reason why there's three of us and we're all in different areas because we've got different ideas. So it, it works better than, you know, if we were all, you know, playing in each other's houses and live next door. Right. It's a little less of the same thing. Um, so it's good. That, like, what's interesting with the smugglers is I've got two decks that are pretty much I can probably build completely separately. And I mean, you can have tricks in the sleuth scout deck or smuggler sprint, smugglers run, whatever it ends up being called. I'm not gonna name the deck because I haven't really played it enough and I still don't have the cards in my hand. Yes, I'm still complaining about that. Um, you can have lots of tricks in that because. The version I started with has Han, which Han's not there so much for Han, mm -hmm. oddly enough. You know, before, you're including Han for Han. Han was an amazing unit. Han's still an amazing unit. However, the main reason it's there is for Swindled. 
swindled with the effects of Blockade Runner and uh, I'm drawing a blank, Slew Scout, helps them get around that whole, you know, having Defenders thing. At the same time, I've got Londo in that deck because... You know, Did you just call him Londo? Well, yes, I... No. I've heard it pronounced different ways. No, it, it, what? <laughs> if you listen to Empire Strikes Back, they do say it two different no, ways. No, they do confusing. not. They say yes, Lando. They, do. Yeah, they say it two different no, ways. What? Yes. Really? And they also say Han. Londo says Han, whereas everybody else calls him Han. Something I noticed that really bugs me. Really? Is that he, said, he actually says Han. There's still a way to say Han when Chewie's choking that's, him. Well, he's choking. Anyway, total size he's, he's choking. But of that's course he's called not going to say time. it correctly. But that's the way he says hand the whole time. He says hand the whole Anyway, total <laughs> nerd rant there. Um, what was I saying? Okay, so I've got Lando, Londo, whatever we want to call him. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Um, he's in there. He's got. He's in good for tricks on his own because you can attack with a slew scout. If they do have a unit to defend it with, mm. that's cost two. As long as it doesn't have tactics, right? you can then... Londo him out of there, his you know damage goes nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, pew, pew, and he misses. You know he's Greedo, and then the Slew Scout goes and attacks the other. So Lando, I think, is a great unit because I can't seem to find a way to build a smuggler's deck now without one to use them, just because of all the tricks you can play. Oh yeah, and that's I agree. another that's reason fine. why I like Colsera's set now. Mm-hmm. I know people don't like it because it's not. As good, but remember, this is different now. Yeah. Things have changed. It's got Don't Get Cocky, which can give you extra blast damage that helps you get stuff out there and across the board. And it also has in it... Um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank. It has um, Don't Get Cocky and something else that, that does something oh, else. Stinging um, Insult. Stinging there Insult. You, stinging you insult. can use Stinging Insult to force them to commit that one defender that you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... And then do the whole Londo thing again or something else. Or, you know, just to force him, you know, let's say he's got Emperor Palpatine. Well, not Emperor Palpatine. That'd be horrible because he could tactic everything. But Vader or something like that. Vader without his lightsaber, you know, draw Vader into the battle. And that frees up, you know, Lando himself to go in for attack. Or Han if you've played him or something like that. So Yeah, I mean, it's just there's... There really is a lot of versatility to, to smugglers, and I think that it's really going to come, come down to like the big, huge play styles, which uh, we will be talking about next episode, actually. So uh, let's actually move on to uh, to some of the, the dark side because I think there has been a lot of uh, enough talk on the forums for for the smugglers. I think to kind of really not go into too much detail. I think the dark side is is really kind of where our, our concentrated focus kind of needs to, needs to be. So. Yeah, um, because smugglers are really obvious. Yeah, how to use them? Scum. I'm struggling, and I think everybody's struggling trying to figure out right. how to use them. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the 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 um the dark side here. Um, again, guys, uh, I appreciate you guys listening for the duration of the, this episode. It is going to be a little bit longer one because every there's just so much to talk about. So uh, please uh, please bear with us. If you guys want to pause and uh, come back to a later time, not a problem. I encourage you to do so. So, dark side, they have a lot of really, really good units now, um, and I still think that they still have some of the better decks. You just have to really understand how to play them. 
The light side does have a lot of good tricks, but I think the dark side equally has a lot of good tricks. It's just the deck building on the dark side is a little bit more tricky than we're going to see on the, the light side. The main reason being is because the scum and villainy stuff, a lot of it works well if you just use one of the objective sets and you don't double up on everything. There's, there's a couple decks that I've seen so far that have done pretty well where it's um, two... Uh, two doubles, so you, you have four objective sets, two of, two of each, and then you have six ones, which can which sounds really weird. It sounds really 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 weird in a deck, but it works because it gives you a whole lot of options and just a whole lot of like really cool weird tricks and kind of flips and stuff. Um, Nate, what have we found so far as far as a a semi good uh, uh, um, uh, Sith control deck so far? Um, I, I know that. Uh, we have a lot, like a lot of decks that we've tried, a lot of mm -hmm. decks that we've actually played. Um, what is one that you think might actually have some uh, some merit in the uh, competitive scene? I I've been working on crafting some version of a dark side deck that I still get to keep Palpatine and Vader in um, because I I feel like those two objective sets have enough power in them to counter uh, a lot of this the, the new light side strategies the problem is is that you have to find a way to work around like we've been saying for the past 30 minutes uh sluice scouts blockade runners you know so you have to figure out a way to counter that strategy you have to figure out a way to counter han solo and his shoot first ability and all this other stuff um so the the direction that I've kind of been leaning when I am building a, a Sith control deck is I really like Tatooine Crash. Who doesn't? Uh, um, with the Jawa Scavengers, if if the light side can't figure out a way to deal with them as soon as they come out, they pretty much just keep coming back mm -hmm. over and over and over. Yeah. Um, they're so annoying. They re and it's they really always are. like, like first turn, you're just like, Jawa Scavenger, Jawa Scavenger, Jawa Scavenger. And it's just like, oh, I don't even want to play anymore this game. Interject <laughs> real quick. Um, I didn't see the Tatooine Crash as a good objective set when I first saw it. I thought the objective itself was really good, but I didn't get the rest of it. And everybody was talking about them. Everybody was playing them. I couldn't see it until I played against it. Nate, you were using it. And those stupid Jawas <laughs> just kept coming out. Yeah. And I was like, well, that is kind of annoying. Because yeah. I'm never going to be able to get rid of them. The cards I liked when I first saw it were, well, obviously Twist of Fate, Utini, and the objective itself. Yeah. And the objective itself is great. You want at least one of those out pretty much right from the start with a scum deck. Um, so, I don't know. I, it, that's. I just wanted to say that because it might not be as obvious to some people why that set's good. And like I said, I didn't see it myself until I played against it. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to actually see it in action before you can see yeah. why something's good or why something's not. No, no, yeah. I, I would definitely agree. I, agree. I mean, the, the objectives themselves have a lot of really good annoyances. But mm -hmm. uh, kind of going back to, to the deck that you're, you're constructing um, – what exactly do you have in it, and uh, like, what's still the um, right big now, weakness? I, I guess because I think that that's the most important part is okay. is, is, is like what's the weakness of uh, of the deck that you've kind of been playing with a little bit. So 
the first version of it that I put together was two Tatooine crashes, two Council of the Sith, two Emperor's Web, two Jabba's Reach, one Fall of the Jedi, one Cruel Interrogations. Um, I was basically trying to get as much uh, tactics mm-hmm. as I could in the deck. Um, the Jawas have it. The advisors have it. Palpatine, you know, that's what I was trying to do. Right. I do not like Jabba's reach mm-hmm. at all. Okay. It on the surface, it looks amazing. It's a very good objective, but the objective itself, you very rarely ever get any amount of cards on it, mm-hmm. so you aren't increasing your reserve value. Jabba is amazing unless they have a sleuth scout <laughs> and then he just sits there and looks like an idiot. He looks like a big fat slug. Well, yeah. he could bring um, out the objectives for free still. I think Jabba's reach just from the deck you're saying doesn't fit that deck. Right. You're right. I think might be the problem. I think Jabba's reach fits more deck that uses like the bounties to mm-hmm. you know pull off captures mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I actually took out Jabba's reach and put in um, the Tuscan Vader objective set. And the deck is amazing because of it. Yeah. It gives you, if you run two of the, the Tuscan Raider objective set, it gives you six Tuscan Raiders mm-hmm. that have a cost of two and have a tactics icon. Yeah. They are awesome. Mainly because of the reaction, it's you focus to strike, and you have the option to put it back in your hand. So it's like, okay, you either have to, if if, if they're playing some sort of weird rebel smugglers and spies deck, you have to waste a rebel assault on, the, on them, which I'm okay with that. Or you have to waste a swindled on them, which I'm okay with that. So either way, you're kind of in a win-win situation. The The Tuscan mm-hmm. Raiders are just ridiculous. Not to mention and, the, the gaffy stick. Like, yep. like... Holy crap! There was one game where I had uh, Edge Seven, and I just kind of was like, "So I'll defend." And he, he had already used both of his swindles because I had checked his discard pile. He had both of them out there. There wasn't any way to kill the Tuscan Raiders because Let the Wookiee Win um, only does damage one damage to to an opponent. Um, even if he were to taxes him, he still counts as um, uh, his effects still actually count. So. That's Edge 7. There's no way you can win, even with five cards, unless you're getting rid of Han, Lando, and, like, two other cards or, or something like that. So, the other thing that, that works well with the Tuscan Raiders is they're very hard to tactics yeah. out of the game because if your opponent has enough tactics to strike you back with them, you just bounce them back to your hand. You can commit them, strike with them, and then bounce them back to your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the objective itself across the Junlin Waste so mean. doesn't affect the Tuscan Raiders as harshly as it does other characters because you can bounce them back to your hand. Yeah, there was one game. This this whole strategy that, 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 that they have on the dark side where things return to your hand after they strike or after you lose an edge battle, right. it's a very mean way to abuse your opponent's strategy of how they're trying to win. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to win through destroying your units to gain unit superiority on the board, it's hard to destroy something yeah. that keeps leaving the battlefield before your opponent can strike. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would definitely agree. I mean, there was one game where I had two of those objectives out, 
and I was like, I don't really care because I I had two of the objectives out, and I think I had a council of the Sith. So pretty decent setup, but that kind of limits my uh, card play, if you were. But my hand was two uh, Jawa scavengers, two Tusken Raiders, a Twist of Fate, and a Force Choke. And I was like, I'll, I I think I'll keep this hand. You know, I'm, I'm that's like the god <laughs> hand for that. Deck. I was like, I'm I'm not really I don't really care. That's that, that's fine. So the the thing that go ahead. Well, sorry, continue your story. So um, yes. so I play out both of my Java scavengers and both the Tuscan Raiders, and I command both the Java scavengers, and pass the turn to him. And the unfortunate part about my opponent was he did not know what the jungling waste did. So he played Han Solo turn one, and was like, "I'm gonna attack with Han Solo," and I'm like, "All right." So he kills off one of the Java scavengers, thinking he's all awesome, and I basically just kind of let him attack. Um, I lose a Tuscan Raider, or I'm sorry, he um, he wins the edge battle. One, one, the other Java scavenger comes to my hand. I lose a Tuscan Raider, which you know, oh no, I still have five in the deck, and um, he tacti- he tactics the other one, and then I'm like, all right, you get two fo- two focus tokens on you. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, the two objectives, and he's like, oh. So Oh, that sucks. And you had three then. Yeah. One from his strike and two. No. That would have sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 basically, uh, Han. I think it, once the game ended, had eight tactics icons on him at one point, just because I thought it would be fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> the yeah. I mean, Nate's right when the whole abusing of putting things into your hand and sometimes just letting the your opponent win the edge battle to get those Java scavengers back is just ridiculous. It's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. And what, what's what's been interesting is, you know, the the deck building strategies for light side and dark side mm-hmm. have pretty much reversed themselves. Yes. Light side now is I'm going to pick the five best objectives and run two of each of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas with dark side, you actually have to put a lot of consideration into what you're going to play, and it's more. You know, okay, am I going to pick one of this objective set because it has enough units in it, um, like the the Tusken Raider one? Do you just run one of them Mm -hmm. and still have a decent amount of all the units? Or do you run two of them? And there's a lot more um, involved decisions in dark side deck building now than there ever have been before. And... I really enjoy this, and I know I sound like a broken record, but it's neat seeing this complete role reversal Mm -hmm. in a competitive environment that feels much more balanced than it has since we just had two core sets. Yep. You know, I think right now the game is actually at a very good point where there's enough versatility in deck building enough variance in the different decks you can build that we have a very stable and very healthy gaming environment. Right. No, Stop no. production. Yeah. I would definitely agree. Um, Matt, what, what have you found to be your dark side deck of choice? Uh, That's it's the one that I'm debating the most right now. Like in one way I'm leaning towards going back towards a more straight, Sith control, but then at other times I really like the you know blow stuff up decks with the right. big navy ships. But the problem with that is then, you know, 
there's the Sleuth Scout decks, which I think mm-hmm. are going to be a thing for a little while. So one thing that's interesting, kind of going off of what Nate said there, like that, honestly, when he first said that deck, I was like, what? I don't understand that deck. But then after you guys talked about it for a bit and the whole Junlin Waste and the Tuscan Radio, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And that to me sounds like that's a deck a newer player would want to avoid that type of deck because it, it would require some skill and finesse and understanding of the game's mechanics and timing mm-hmm. to really make that kind of deck work. So that could be a, a hard deck to play at times. But it's interesting that we got that deck out of Edge of Darkness because a lot of what Scum focuses on is the whole capture mechanic. And for me, I'm leaning towards doing more with the Scum, a more capture deck using things like uh, the hive of scum and villainy for Greedo and the various bounty hunters, mm-hmm. and also comes with the bounty and captured cards, and then also uh, the the Trandoshan Terror, I think it's called, with Boss. Yep. Because I know where I play. So I mean, this is where it comes down to local menace again. Chewie's going to be very popular. I mean, Chewie's going to be popular anyway. Chewie's a great unit. He's a beast. He should be. I know people think he's. Oh my God, he's OP. He's the best unit ever. Are we all going to die? No, he's great. But they gave us in the same box, oh, Chewie's ruining your day? Well, here's an entire objective set devoted to destroying Wookiees. Yeah. So that, I know a lot of people are saying with Scum and Villainy, because you get duplicates of a lot of their units, which I don't know if that's something FFG intended that we're going to see with Scum, a lot of people are saying you can have get away with one copy. Mm-hmm. If you're playing in a, a Wookiee, Chewie-heavy environment, and let's say we get another Wookiee set, down the road, which I'm sure we will at some point. Uh, you know, the Kashyyyk cycle or something. Ewoks, please. Just, just Ewoks, saying. I'm sure, will be a thing soon because enough people have talked about them that FFG would be stupid to say, nope, no Ewoks. We wrote them out of the timeline. <laughs> um, I'm going to be using Bosk and his Transition Hunter friends to destroy the Wookiees because I know, if nothing else, my friend Ben is going to say, I've got Chewie and he's going to come around and rip your arms off and beat you to death with them. I'm like, yeah, no, he's not. That needs to be a card. That, that, and the, Chewie ripping people's arms off and beating them to death? That needs to be the, the title, too. Chewie ripping people's arms and beating them to death. And it needs to have so show That's Chewie a... ripping the arms off an armed guard <laughs> and then smacking him with it. And it does like some like weird, just funny effect, but that needs to be a card. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll draw it for you, and I'll put it on a card, and I'll sign <laughs> okay, it. Okay, thank you. Um, but yeah, I'm for my scum deck, which I'm going to start working on once I get the cards in hand. Hopefully this time tomorrow I'll be, you know, going crazy with, I don't know what to build first. Um, I'm going to focus more on the capture thing that Scum have mm-hmm. and seeing, A, if I can find a way to make it work, because there's no way they gave us all these cards and it doesn't work. It's just, it's not slap you in the face obvious like some of the other decks are. And B, because I think capture is going to be a good side thing to take on those decks that rely on Han, Luke, Chewie, Lando, Obi-Wan, like, you know, the big guy decks, the, the the main character decks. Capture decks are a good counter for those because, you know, you can be like, uh, okay, you've played Luke and he's got, you know, his lightsaber and trust your feelings. That's great. I capture him. Thank you. Right. Stuff like that. So that's why I'm looking at building those because locally everybody started playing the, the Han Luke decks because I was winning with them all the time, so everybody switched to those. So now I'm trying to build a deck that counters those. So that's what I was saying earlier. It's I like it's like Nate saying I like where things are at right now. I almost want to say you know FFG stop making stuff. 
the game's good, leave it, don't break it. Well, you know, it's crazy. I, I, but. but you have to remember, I mean, they have play testers and they 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 have this whole year planned out. So I, I don't think that they're going to just release something to just make it completely broken. Like, oh no, neither do I. Like I remember when the executor was first spoiled. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's the stupidest, most overpowered card ever. And now it just makes sense because it's like. Oh, okay. We have Imperial Blockade, which reduces capital ship costs, reduces all this stuff. And now, also to be fair, uh, Matt came up with a capital ship deck, which I tried, and it got just crushed. Um, you tried the first version. Yeah. My second version yeah. does involve the executor. The problem is we don't have that site yet. Yeah. Now the problem with that is I was not able to get out a single capital ship until I had two objectives killed on. The light side side and uh, two objectives with for a damage on them, so it was just it was just not pretty. Now, but capital ships I think will actually work eventually. Um, and and uh, Nate actually pointed out looking for droids plus executor equals win, and that that might actually might be a thing. We might see looking for droids become a thing, which would be amazing. Because yeah, I actually also with a. The capital punishment deck I want to eventually build will be Imperial Blockade, Deploy the Fleet, the Devastator, the Executor, and Killing Cold to get more Sacrifice stuff. Because I think Sacrifice with the Executor's ability could help with those decks like, you know, the Sleuth Scout, finding a way to, you know, sacrifice stuff and slowly ping those ships to death to blow them up. Maybe. So, who knows? It could be a thing. I also I also have found that with the capture thing that you were talking about before, Matt, uh-huh. um, Slave One works really well in conjunction with capture. The yep. problem is, it's such a slow buildup. It's like in order to to really get the capture mechanic working, you have to have you know one or two Tatooine crashes and a Carbonite transport out. Yep. But with how slow Carbonite transport is, since you can only move one car at a time. It just feels like it bogs the deck down trying to use it enough to take advantage of Slave 1. Um, yeah, that's that's true. And I mean, I wasn't even considering using Slave 1 yet. I might down the road. Mm-hmm. Slave 1's good, though, I think, for one thing, because I don't think Scum's going to be much at destroying objectives. And destroying objectives is good for two reasons. One, it helps you advance the dial faster. And two... The tournament rules, the tiebreakers rely on objectives destroyed on both sides. So you want to destroy at least a couple. Otherwise, depending on how the match goes, you could be screwing yourself out of a match win down the road. Like, and I'm not saying you'll play for a tiebreaker, but you still got to consider it as a possibility. But honestly, very briefly, and I don't know if I'm actually going to do this or not, I'm almost tempted to try Carbonate Transport in a deck with some of the bigger ships like the Devastator and some of the bigger starters runs off because it comes with tractor beam. Mm-hmm. Tractor beam yep. plus devastator is disgusting. And the only yeah. other way for Navy to get it is it comes with the Imperial Blockade, but you only get one copy of it in the set, and you can only have one copy of that set, so you only got one. This is a way to get if you add one carbonate transport or two, you could have two to three tractor beams in a deck. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the set's gonna be kind of useless in a deck like that. So yeah, the, the other two cards that I think are really good for, for scum decks are the Crate Dragon and Spice Visions. Yes. Um, the Crate Dragon is just a, a wrecking ball of a unit. You see it come down and you're just like, really? Crate Dragon? 
Plus it's, it's a dragon. so demoralizing to see it come out because it's it's so big and it's cheap. Personally, I think that that is probably some of the coolest art uh, out of all the, the the new cards that were released. And we were saying before we got to see it, I don't know if we said this on the air or if we were just talking about it. We were like, that had better have some really cool art. Yeah. And it is pretty <laughs> it cool. Like the thing's so big, it doesn't fit on the card. <laughs> and it even says that in the text, they grew to such enormous size. Never be the slowest scavenger in the cave. I love <laughs> that. That's just, and he's yeah. got, you know, these Tuscan Raider, he's just a running. Yeah, I mean, it, in all honesty, I you know people are like, oh, he's too big. I'm like, no. If you look at the lore, crate dragons are huge. Yeah, and yeah. The other the them. other thing is is spice visions, which comes in the same objective set and and in, um, another one. Mm-hmm. There's so many uses for spice visions right now. Oh my gosh! Um, you can use it to gain extra resources on a character. So let's say you try and spend a resource with uh, Bib Fortuna, and you're like, I'm gonna go to spend my resource, I'm going to Spice Visions him instead of placing the Focus token. Mm-hmm. Um, Another use for Spice Visions, you could use it with Jabba. Use Jabba's ability to play a two-cost or less unit or enhancement, Spice Vision him, and then use his ability again. Yep. Yeah. No, There's yeah. so many neat ways to use Spice yeah. Visions right Spice now. Spice Visions I is great. I really like that card. Yeah. I really like the name that somebody came up with a deck that uses Spice Visions and Crate Dragon. Spice it's Dragon. Enter the Spice Dragon, mm-hmm. which is a play <laughs> on a Bruce Lee movie. So I thought that was kind of clever. So nice. shout out to that. Like that. Now, my, my, my kind of biggest problem with Spice Visions, and it, it's in some objective sets that I don't normally would, I, I really wouldn't normally run personally. Um, now, like, obviously, Feeding the Pit is a crazy uh, good objective set. Um, the one that I don't like is there's a spice vision in the, uh, the Narshada one, correct? Yes. Which has the greatest card of all time. What? The assassin droid. Do the assassin droid is amazing because, uh, it's kind of like a, a nod to KOTOR. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. It is. And it has the, the, the greatest crowdine ever. Take this meatbag. Yes. Take that meatbag. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny. No, it, it's great. Um, I actually personally like the uh, Aquatal Thug, but it costs three, and it only has one HP, but it does do damage to the objectives. So um, be quiet, Nate. I can't pronounce things when I don't actually see it, so... It, wait, wait. Aqualish Thug, uh, uh, just to wait. clarify for the audience. It's, it's a Qualish? I thought it was a Quaddle. It's it's a okay, whatever. Um, that, yeah. See, I don't think I'm going to use that set. At least I don't see myself using it right away. But those aquatic slugs are good because they again help the scum do something that they're going to have some trouble doing at times is destroying objectives. So they help you get that damage. So I mean, if mm-hmm. if you've been able to play around a bit and you'll maybe do almost fatal damage on most of your opponents' objectives, you're putting them in a really difficult spot that could result in them being forced to destroy one of their objectives because of playing an Aquas Thug or two. You know, play two of these in one turn, it'll be good laughs if nothing else. Yeah. No, no, I, this, I, I, this I would definitely agree. This objective set hmm? is amazing in two versus two. Oh, I, I, I Because I the Aqualish says that each mm-hmm. opponent must do the damage. Uh, didn't even notice that. Yep. You're right. This will be a multiplayer one for sure. Yep. It, it is amazing in 2v2. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's actually kind of funny because I've actually been playing uh, the Jedi Outcast games on Steam, and still one of my favorite missions missions is when Kyle Katarn goes to uh, Narshada, or um, if you're playing 
Jedi Academy, you, you go to Nar Shaddaa for some of the other missions. It's still still my, one of my favorite cities in the entire Star Wars universe, e- even it's, even the extended one. It's because it's Space Vegas. It's amazing. Not who, who doesn't want to go to Space Vegas. You know what? It's funny because I didn't even know what Nar Shaddaa was. So one thing I really enjoy about this game is it uses some of the extended universe stuff. I haven't read a lot of the, the novels or comic books and all that stuff, so I don't know some of the stuff they've added. So I had I go on Wikipedia all the time and look stuff up, and I look this place up, and I was like, man, I want to go there in a video game because that just sounds like fun. <laughs> well, get Jedi Outcast and Jedi Outcast Academy, and you will be able to do that. So um, I think we've talked enough about the dark side and the light side for now. Um, obviously, there's there's just so much to it and so many different deck variations that um, we will be putting out uh, at deck talk shows uh, when we actually get a chance to record them and kind of go a little bit in, more in depth. But I think we should get get on to the giveaways, guys. Um, I think you need some like fanfare music right here. Ah, uh, sure. I'll get right on that. I'm actually curious we'll to uh, what you guys said about me when I left. To, uh, You'll find out when you go to edit the show. Yeah, I'm, prob- so, I'm probably probably scared. Uh, yeah. <laughs> giveaway time! Giveaway yeah, time! The fans. They want to know what they want so they can stop listening to us talk. Actually, no, we're going to end the show right now. Thanks for listening. Bye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and right. then you get tons of hate mail. Yeah, what, pff, hate mail, whatever. I just delete it and don't read it. <laughs> All right, so, All right, so the winners of the giveaway. Uh, Facebook, the forums, uh, the deck box idea... And uh, all that fun stuff. So the Facebook winner is – I really apologize once I uh, butcher all your uh, your last names. It's going to be David David uh, Bushmole. I don't know. I have no idea how to, how to say that that last name. And, and you guys, David Bushmole. Bush – no, it, it's Bushmole. The R is silent. Let's go with that. Why is the R? I hate ink. We'll let him tell us when we contact yes. him to reward him with his prizes of a playset of Red Fox. We will do. Yes. So winning from the forums, and this was for the Card Game DB forums as well as people who post on the FFG forums, is username Twinim. Yes. I can already tell Matt was upset that I butchered the name. He's just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna do it. Screw you. So do I get to announce the winner for the last set? Oh, uh, why not? You sure do. So the winner for the uh, best idea sent to us via email is Joseph Woodworth. Woohoo! Joseph Woodworth. Yay. And and his idea that we are going to be putting into effect is he said to have our listeners come up with the best Darth Vader voice impressions saying something promotional for the podcast and then we're gonna make an intro or outro or some kind of audio thing thing for the podcast out of that so if you would like to be a part of this all you have to do is record yourself or whoever you would like to record doing a darth vader impression saying something about the table flip podcast um, and then you need to save this in some sort of audio format, MP3, wave, you know, doesn't matter, and email it to us at tableflipoutlook.com. Um, and the, the audio file d- does have to be either MP3 or wave file. Anything else, I will not accept. <laughs> okay. Also, something that we could put on the air so people can listen to. So. You know, not keep, keep it fam. Yes, I mean, it, it, honestly, you can do that just for fun and give us a good laugh. That's fine, but um, please, we won't use it. yeah, please keep it uh, family friendly and PG. Uh, no, 
weird stuff. So. Yep. And yes. we're also going to be giving um, a set of Darth Vader TIE Fighter Arabesh cards to TGO on the forums for the idea that he came up with. Um, we're not going to announce what his idea was yet. We're going to actually put that in the show notes um, so that we can actually type out what it is because it's a rather involved idea. Yeah. But his idea is how we are going to give away uh, st- other prizes and goodies yep. that FFG has sent us in the mail. Yeah, the uh, the goodies that they gave us are just really, really phenomenal. Uh, thank you very much to Fantasy Flight Games to for actually sending us this stuff. Um, some of the stuff has not even been out yet or released, so uh, it's 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 actually really cool. So we we definitely think that that is awesome. And um, so congrats to all the winners, guys. And um, we're going to uh, go right to uh, to just kind of the end of the show. It's been a very, very long show. I do appreciate everyone sticking to the end. And if you've paused it and came back, that's awesome too. I understand. But uh, please, guys, if you have any uh, questions, comments, or ideas about the show, segments or otherwise, we do have one new segment that we'll be doing next week, courtesy of Agent X7, who I got to play uh, on Octagon last night. That was a lot of fun. And um, we're going to be doing some uh, cool other streaming shows as well um, on our Twitch page, which we'll announce shortly. Uh, We haven't had all the stuff worked out yet, but uh, that that will get uh, worked out in due time here. And... um, I think that's that's a good show, guys. It was uh, very informative. A lot of a lot of really good discussion. And thanks for listening, folks. Yes, thanks for listening. We talked for a long time, yeah. and you're going to hear a lot more about Edge of Darkness because it's just we could go on for hours. We, we, and, yeah, but we, we really don't want to do that in one episode. Anyway, guys, may the force be with you. God bless everyone. Take care. Have a good evening, morning, and afternoon. Goodbye. Peace. <laughs>